She was born in 2020 during the pandemic. She developed properly, was wonderful, just a joy, joyous little girl. Just shortly before she turned two is when we noticed that she was having hair loss and it was totally out of the blue. So she was just about three months prior to turning two that we noticed that something was off with her scalp. And once we noticed that it was happening, it like went from zero to 60. It was like, oh, like, a little, you know, we're noticing a little bit of thinning in your hair. And then within, I'd say like literally four to six weeks, she was 75% bald. This channel is about patients sharing their stories and healing. Oftentimes people are frustrated with not finding the right answers when it comes to their health. So I created this channel so that I can share patient stories with you. And maybe it'll resonate with someone. Maybe you'll learn the path that they took to healing. And this might help you in your own journeys. Welcome to another episode of Healing Journeys. I'm Dr. Jyoti Patel. And today we have a very special guest. We have Rachel, who is the mother of Addison. It was a patient of mine, and she has a beautiful story to tell. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> so Rachel, let's talk a little bit about your daughter, Addison. Um, let's start with when she was completely healthy and everything was fine. Can you start by telling us a little bit about her story? Sure. So we call her Addie. So I'll be calling her that <laughs> throughout this. She was born in 2020 during the pandemic. So it was, um, you know, quarantined or not going out much as a baby. Um, but, you know, we thought that was a blessing in disguise. She was, you know, a great sleeper on wonderful schedules and all those things. Um, but of course not, you know, getting out into the world and being exposed to certain things um, and whatnot. But again, you know, we didn't really think much of it. And she developed properly, was wonderful, just a joy, joyous little girl. Um, and then just shortly before she turned two, so probably about three months or so before she turned two is when we noticed that she was having hair loss and it was totally out of the blue. She seemed completely healthy. Otherwise she, I mean, she couldn't, you know, talk or anything like that. So she wasn't telling us anything was wrong or acting like anything was wrong. But, um, her daycare is actually who kind of noticed it at first and we didn't even notice it right away. And then, so yeah, so she was just about three months prior to turning two that we noticed that something was off with her scalp. So that must have been really hard. You know, it sounds like life was so beautiful during COVID and then something happened which shifted yeah. that. Yeah, it was, it was hard. I, you know, I'm, she's my only child, my first only, and I had no idea, you know, what was going on. Never really, I'd never really heard of infant hair loss. I guess she wasn't an infant, but, and once we noticed that it was happening, it like went from zero to 60. It was like, oh, like, a you know, we're noticing a little bit of thinning in your hair. And then within, I'd say like literally four to six weeks, she was 75% bald. So it was like such a whirlwind because you're managing your emotions, but trying to figure out what's going on. Um trying to stop it, but it, you can't because you need time to like figure it, figure out what the deal is. So yeah, I was very, very hard. I was, I was not okay. Yeah. <laughs> At least. It does sound hard. Like 
you're if you have a condition and it takes a while to build up sometimes you have time to get used to it and it mm -hmm. sounds like you guys didn't have a lot of time to get used to this disease exactly mm -hmm. yep exactly so what were your next steps you found that her hair was falling out rapidly mm -hmm. what did you do next so we first scheduled her appointment with her pediatrician uh you know took her in they were concerned, which kind of stinks. You know, you always think like, oh, I'm just a crazy mom. They're going to be like, oh, it's ringworm or, you know, something super, I mean, that's not a great thing, but easy to treat. But she automatically was like pretty concerned about it and ordered labs because hair loss can be associated with like thyroid issues, I think was what she was looking for mainly. And then also testing her ANA, so her autoimmunities, I'm not, still not really sure exactly how that shows up. <laughs> so we got her in immediately to uh, you know, lab, you know, I had a almost two year old and she took the blood draw much better than I did. <laughs> uh, she did great. And the results came back fairly quickly and everything was normal. The only thing that had came, came up on that initial lab was slightly low, a slightly low iron deficiency, but nothing you would really notice if you weren't looking. Um, so that crushed me. You know, I wanted to see something in the labs just to make all of this make sense. So from there, they referred us to a dermatologist. So we went to Phoenix Children's and had her seen there by one of the physician assistant dermatologists. She was, she acted fairly stumped, which was kind of surprising. They mentioned alopecia, areata, but they also thought it wasn't presenting totally classic. So thought it could be telogen effluvium, or they did test her for the ring. I think it's called ringworm. Yep. Uh, anyway, and they were like, come back in 30 days. And mama bear was like, no, not waiting 30 days. <laughs> so I called the pediatrician and I asked for a second opinion. And that's when she sent us to our current dermatologist. And I saw, we saw him about two weeks after that initial derm appointment. And, he, you know, he saw a different child than the first doctor did. Because just within those two weeks, she had lost significantly more hair, you know, pretty much one look at her and made the diagnosis of alopecia areata. Let's talk about that emotional um, situation that, you know, we all as parents can, can imagine, but never have to go through what you did. Yeah, it was so hard. I mean, you know, all the while as we'd been waiting for appointments and, you know, getting the blood work, of course, I'm Googling my heart out. What mom would it be? Oh my gosh, I hope I don't cry here. Uh, and, you know, alopecia was like the last thing I wanted her to be diagnosed with because everything else that I had sort of read about hair loss, especially in kids, was fairly treatable, like not lifelong, just like a stint, right? And I knew with alopecia, it was an autoimmune condition and something that would be a part of her life forever if that was her diagnosis. And so, I mean, I can vividly vividly my mom was with me um at the appointment and i can literally picture his face telling me the diagnosis mm -hmm. and i mean i lost i lost it luckily Addie was at an age where she like wasn't really that in tune with my emotions now different story so she was just like whatever but yeah it was devastating and i you know i know that i always feel bad talking about how devastating it was because i know there's so many other things out there that are so much worse and a lot of people say with alopecia, it's just hair. And to an extent it is. So I feel bad saying it, but as a mom, anything wrong with your children is just like so heartbreaking. And I, I was very upset. I think every mom can relate to that. 
I mean, it doesn't matter. The the gravity of the situation isn't the issue. The fact that we want the best for our children Mm -hmm. and we want them to be healthy and happy and, you know, stress-free, that's what we all hope for. So the the loss of that. Yeah. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what happened? What's next after the dermatologist diagnosed? Sure. Her? So he prescribed her a couple of topical ointments for her scalp. And then he also um, suggested we try putting her on a sort of low dose pulse steroid treatment, basically saying, you know, I mean, he, he explained about the condition, obviously, and kind of talked about how there weren't really good options for treatment for kids at all. At that point, there weren't any FDA medications approved for alopecia at all anyway. And so he said, you know, the best way to sort of stop her inflammation that's causing it, that's causing her body's immune system to attack her hair follicles is to put her on a steroid that just like you told me, like, you know, puts out the fire. And we were really struggling with that decision. You know, she was so young and steroids are so harsh and, you know, we talked to some, we know some pharmacists who were like, oh, don't do it, you know, but, you know, but I'm also watching my two-year-old lose all of her, you know, hair. So we did decide to do it and we put her on the steroid. We started using the topicals and, you know, he had said initially that, that she should be on the steroid for three to six months. So we were prepared to kind of give it the three and see. And so that's kind of how we started. And so then did you feel like there were more things that you needed to do for Addie at this point? Yes. So after that, you know, I, I, I had, by that time I had joined a few Facebook groups, Facebook's support groups for alopecia. And I'd read a lot about the success of these medications that he had put Addie on. And most of them said that they're temporary, you know, it's a bandaid to kind of cover a long-term problem. That's more systemic inside than, you know, this like scalp skin issue. I'd read a lot about that. So while I was excited to get her going on something like to do something, you just want to do something you want to feel in control. And so I had no, I knew that going into these medications that this wasn't going to be something that was going to just like make it go away. So I actually, my mom and I go to Hawaii every year as a, just like a mother daughter trip. And we were scheduled to go like kind of right during that time. And I didn't really want to go, which is crazy, right? Because I just thought, how can I go on this fun trip while my daughter's at home, like losing her hair? But my mom convinced me to go. And I spent the entire week in Hawaii researching everything I could about alopecia and hair loss and autoimmune issues and all the things. And the majority of what I read talked about how, you know, everything that reflects on the outside is typically related to something going on in the inside. And as I read more and more about that and thought more and more about Addie's lifestyle and her picky eating and, you know, the sweets and just, you know, sleep training, right? All the things that could be stressing her out. It just kind of clicked that there was more to this than, you know, slapping on some Rogaine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you did that. And Rachel, you know, you're talking to an audience that needs to hear that when you feel hopeless, when you feel helpless, when you feel like maybe you don't have control over the situation, that there is actually something that you can do. And there are places that you can gather information and support groups where other people might have learned different things that can help them that might help you. 
And not only that, but look at the bigger picture of what the terrain was. The terrain is what caused a change in her body, her Mm -hmm. diet, her stress levels, her sleep practices, her environment. And just really looking at that bigger picture was gave you hope. Definitely. Yeah. My mom wasn't happy. You know, she's like trying to have fun on vacation and I've got my nose in a book the whole time, but (laughs) (laughs) that was okay. At least I wasn't crying. (laughs) Well, at least you were doing it in a beautiful place. Exactly. So when you came back home and you had all this information now, what, Mm -hmm. what was the next step? So we immediately were like, we got to get her in with a functional medicine doctor as soon as possible. You know, I had kind of wished I'd just done it when I was in Hawaii, but I didn't. So we got back, my husband and I both got on the computer and started researching for doctors like you in our area. I think we had like two consultations over the phone um, and we talked to you guys and immediately were ready to come in and start the process. So we got to work immediately when I got back. What did you realize needed to change for Addie's health to improve? I think maybe just being conscious of it. You know, I mean, I obviously like I was conscious of her health, right? I'm, I'm her mom. I'm taking care of her. You know, she's well cared for, but I don't know. I wasn't really thinking about like long-term implications of some of her picky eating or, you know, long-term implications of, you know, some of the types of products we were using around the house, things like that, you know, you just kind of do. And and I think a lot, and even like other moms, right. When you're, when you're a new mom with a picky eater, for example, they're like, oh my gosh, all kids are picky. Like she'll grow out of it. Don't worry. As long as she's eating, as long as she's on her growth curve and all those things. And so that's kind of how I went about it. You know, I, I didn't, I, I kind of like just relied on the pediatrician and Addie was always on her growth curves. She always had like glowing reviews at all of her like monthly checkups, you know? And so I thought, okay, like she'll learn how to eat vegetables at some point. Right. And I think of like for a lot of kids, that's probably true, right? They can just grow out of it and it doesn't affect them. But not knowing what we were dealing with in terms of her autoimmune condition, we weren't paying attention to those things like we probably should have been. So paying attention, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end, the other thing too, that my mom and I realized like, you know, as we're like kind of thinking back once we've read through all this is like, she always had that, like, kind of like little babies have like that Buddha belly, right? They always have that like little belly. She had one as a baby. They all do. But she by now was like almost two and she still had that. And we had never really thought about it, even though like, like I said, in retrospect, we're thinking about like her, her friends at daycare and like looking at them and thinking like, they've kind of grown out of that, you know, but with Addie, like it was still there. It was very pronounced. And again, I just thought, oh, it's her baby belly, but it was 100% bloat. Like she was, girlfriend was bloated. (laughs) You know, I didn't know. It's so hard with that age. I I feel like, I mean, anyway, so. It was tough. You had a toddler, you had a two-year-old who was a picky eater. You were getting messages from your pediatrician that everything was fine. And so it was hard to know that something was not fine on the inside. Yes. Uh So now you started this functional medicine journey to help Addie with her alopecia. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things did you have to change? So we went through all the recommended testing. So we had her tested. I mean, I 
I'm not even going to list them all off, but so many tests. And we, I think what came out of those tests that was the most compelling were her food sensitivities. She had many, including dairy and gluten, which is what toddlers live on. And so that was like, whoa, that's got to be making a difference here. She also tested for heavy metals, kind of high. And we were trying to do the mold toxicity test, but we couldn't because she wasn't potty trained. But basically the test came back with lots of food insensitivities. She had leaky gut, gut dysbiosis. Is that, I think that might be the same thing, but her gut was just a mess essentially. And so we implemented a dairy-free, gluten-free diet, which was very difficult. As you can imagine, we tried to limit processed foods as much as possible. I wouldn't say we fully eliminated them. It was just, you know too very difficult, but we did try to, you know, limit them as much as possible. And when we put her on quite a few supplements as well, uh, cause you know, she wasn't going to start eating broccoli and kale and smoothies like overnight, quite honestly, she still struggles with a lot of that. So we, you know, did a lot of research to find like the best multivitamins to put her on the best pre and probiotics to get her going with. We got her, she, her iron was deficient. So we got her on those iron supplements. You know, our goal the whole time was to try to get off of those and, and get those nutrients and such through her diet. Again, I know I keep blaming a lot of this on her age, but anyone who has a two or three-year-old probably knows that it doesn't happen overnight. It's a big process. And so we did rely on supplements for a while while we worked on her diet. And then the other thing that I did was I tried to detoxify our home as much as possible. So I you know, I switched cleaning products. I switched like, you know, to like more natural stuff. I switched like all of her bottles. She was still drinking out of a bottle. I switched them to like glass bottles. I tried to just eliminate as much of the toxic load in our home as I could, knowing that when we go outside, like it is what it is. You know, it's hard. You, you especially someone like me, you want to just be able to control everything. And you really have to remind yourself, like you can only control what's in the home. <laughs> so those were probably the biggest things that we did in the beginning. No, it's, all, it's so important that you bring that full picture to people watching because it's not just one thing that causes autoimmunity. It's the entire mm -hmm. environment, right? So it could yes. be the kinds of foods that you're eating that your body doesn't tolerate that triggers your immune system. It could be the imbalances in the gut microbiome. It could be exposure to chemicals and heavy metals in your home and environment. Um, it could be a number of things. So it's not just one piece of it. It requires this sort of comprehensive approach to health. Yeah. And then one of the other things that you've mentioned early on is stress. So let's talk a little bit about how that also can be a, a trigger for the immune system. I learned that, you know, because you're kind of, and that's actually funny because, you know, when you tell people about hair loss, they often will say like, oh, it's stress, especially for like grownups, right? Like, oh, you're stressed. You need to take a break. And so when I would tell people before we had her diagnosis that she was losing hair, they would say, oh, she's stressed. And you think to yourself, like, she's too, like, she doesn't know what stress is. Like, what are you talking about? That was hundred percent my response. But we learned that while like she may not consciously know what stress is or like be able to realize like, oh, I'm feeling a certain type of way. Like her body knows, right? It just reacts to certain situations by, you know, trying to fight off whatever feelings and emotions and whatnot that she is going through. And so we worked so hard on 
just regulating, teaching her to regulate her emotions as much as possible. We made her this like really, I attached the wall or I'd go get it. This cool like chart that we put in her room that showed like she could point to how she was feeling and it had happy on there too, right? Like it had all the emotions on it, it still does. And then we would point to an activity she could do to feel better. So she'd say, I'm feeling sad. And she'd point to the sad face. And then I'd say, well, what could we do to feel better? And there were all kinds of choices, like push against the wall, run around the house, have a hug. She always chose either a big hug or um, to be wrapped up in a blanket. Those are always her choices, but it was so cool. It worked so well. And honestly, like now at three, she's three now, she knows how she feels and she will tell you. I mean, she is a kid that can identify her emotions more than anyone I know. Granted, I'm like that. So she's probably getting some of that from me, but it's cool because she learned a lot in the process. And now, I mean, look, she's still a toddler. She has her tantrums. She's has meltdowns, but she can regulate them and get back to feeling better very quickly. And I'm not kidding. Like she really can. It's, it's been a work in progress, but it's pretty impressive in my opinion. What great lessons for a young child to learn for the rest of her life. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of adults that can't emotionally regulate. Um, for sure. Appreciate that they're in stress mode and mm -hmm. that they're reactive. For Addie to learn these lessons too, you've done her a great service. Good Thank mommy. You. <laughs> Thank you. So when did you start to see things turn around? Well, so we, let's see. So she, probably we had seen a slowdown in the shedding probably about a month, six weeks to a month after we started her on her steroid medication, which is to be expected, super aggressive. And that was exciting. But the, the point of that was more to stop the shedding rather than start the regrowth. And so we started to see a lack of shedding and then almost immediately, and I, I don't, I'm not kidding. We started to see regrowth once we had changed up her environment got her on an, a different diet. I mean, her tummy went down within like a week and the regrowth started and we ended up and it, and it went fast. I mean, it, it was crazy how quickly it started to regrow once it decided to start. And so we actually were able to get her off the steroid after only two months when the initial plan was three to six emphasis on the six, the three was more us saying, okay, that's like the trial we'll give it, you know? but we took her off after just two months and that hair kept, kept growing and she kept thriving. So it was pretty cool. It was really cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. Isn't it feel good to know that we're not in a permanent state of illness that yes. the body has the ability to repair itself. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. And it, yeah. And you guys did the right thing by her and I know how much hard work it was and I congratulate you on putting all that effort in and, you know, and helping your daughter thrive. Now, Health is not a straight line though, Rachel. Oftentimes we have these wins and then sometimes we have some setbacks. Um, tell me a little bit about whether you experienced that. Yeah. So she, all of that regrowth that I just mentioned was happening kind of in like May, June, July, kept going throughout the year. This was last year and in flu season came and that was late November she got super sick. She ended up being diagnosed with strep and was like the sickest she's ever been in her short life. Probably within three or four weeks after that, we started, we noticed spots popping up on her head. And man, 
it sucked. <laughs> you know, you, you just, the thing about hair, this particular disease is you can grow, hair grows, hair takes so long to grow, but you can lose it like that, you know? And that was the hardest part <laughs> for me was just knowing, like, cause it wasn't a lot at first, you know, it, it, still, it wasn't a lot total actually either, but it was so scary because I knew how quickly it can go that as soon as I saw just one, like, dime-sized spot. It was just like, oh my gosh, trying not to panic. But we immediately, like this time was so different because we knew what to do. And we just jumped right back. You know, we'd gotten lax, right? Like she'd been on this diet for almost a year at that point. It's the holidays, right? Like we weren't as strict about some of the stuff that we'd been really diligent on over the summer and earlier in the year. And so we just immediately went into tighten it up mode. We came in immediately to talk to you. We came and we immediately went to the dermatologist as well. Just, you know, we've, we've always kind of looked at this as like a whole team approach to her. I think we even took her to her pediatrician. Like we were like, okay, like let's all, let's all get our heads back together and, and see what we can do. And it was pretty cool. Like, I mean, obviously not cool that she had this relapse, but this time with it, it's seeming, or it seemed like, well, I guess this was like a year ago now, but it was almost like it was growing in like as fast as it was falling out. Like she, she was never like the first time. I mean, she had a complete bald like cap and this time, like she never, you never really would have known if you didn't know, because it was, like I said, kind of coming in as, as it was going out. So that was a relief. And, and it was also kind of a moment where I had to, as a mom, like come to terms with the fact that like, it's, this isn't over and this will probably never be over. I hadn't really let myself go there before the relapse. I just wanted to think like it was a total fluke. Like we, you know, we're okay. Like we're moving forward. This is never going to happen again. And for some people it doesn't, but that happening, I think for my like mental health surrounding her disease was almost good because it, it, you know, it solidified what we're really dealing with here it's a long-term thing and we've got to take it seriously forever. What's the forever look like? I can't wait until she's old enough to like kind of have a say in all of this. I you know that's, that's not a great thing. I don't want to like put it on her. Of course, I'll always be her supporter, number one supporter, and I'll help her through everything. But you know, it's hard as a parent to make these big decisions for your kid. You know, um, we, we've, we did do about another round of steroids to sort of jumpstart her system again. I don't know if that was the right thing to do. If she could make that choice, I don't know if she'd want to do that. I actually went to a uh, conference for alopecia areata in July, hosted by the National Alopecia Areata Foundation. And, you know, there were lots of people there who have just totally embraced their alopecia. And it, they're such an inspiration. It was really cool to see, you know, and a lot of them are teenagers or early adults and they've said like, just let your kid live. Like this isn't, you know, it's just hair. Like I love my life. You know, I'm confident. It's taught me so much about confidence and you know, it's not fair to kids to like not let them have the birthday cake or the pizza or the whatever. And, and so it's like, you're right. You know, and, and we do let her have those things when it's a special occasion, you know, but it'll just be cool when she can sort of decide like what she wants to do. And if she wants to embrace it and say, you know what, like, I don't want to be this strict and we're just going to see what happens. Like I will totally let her do that. You know, of course, 
but as a mom, I'm just trying to do what I think is, is best. And I know that through all of my research and all of our conversations, like it isn't just hair. Something is going on inside of her that's causing inflammation. Nobody wants their bodies to be inflamed. So I'm doing what I can to reduce that for her. And if she decides on something else later on, like that will be her decision. That's, that's hard. No, it's uh, it's a it's a parent's journey that you're describing. We want the best for our children, but at some point we need to let go of the reins and give them control over their choices and yeah. learn when you know when they don't feel good and when they do feel good. Exactly. And the yeah. choices that they're making. So yeah, because she'll know. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know if she like, if she, if she feels great when she doesn't eat any gluten. You know, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't make a difference to how she feels. Maybe it makes all the difference. Um, so it'll be really cool once she can be able to articulate those things and, and make those big choices herself. So going forward, what would you tell a parent that might be just dealing with this for the first time, dealing with a child with an autoimmune disease? What would you tell them? I think the first thing that I would would tell them is people are going to tell you that it could be so much worse. That is what people are going to tell you. And they're right. But for you, this is your worst right now. And it's okay to be devastated. And it's okay to feel sad and cry and think that it's horrible, even though, of course, it could be worse. I think that for me was something like I had to start therapy, if I'm being quite honest, because people around me just didn't understand but your feelings are valid, I guess, would be the first thing I would say. And then I would say, like, choose what you want to do, you know, choose your path, whether it be, you know, Western medicine, functional medicine, do nothing. That's your choice. And try not to let other people influence that decision. You know, I know some people whose children got alopecia and they just decided to let it run its course and they've seen regrowth, right? Like everyone's decision is their own. And so I would say, you know, figure out what you want to do and do that. And when you've decided what you want to do, like become an expert, advocate for your child, advocate for yourself, um, do the research, do the things. It's hard. It's a lot of work. But if you've decided that, that you want to attack it in whatever way that is, you're going to have to sort of quarterback that effort and it'll be worth it. And then I also would say too, at the end of the day, like just see your kid for who they are. I mean, I, I have to remind myself that sometimes when maybe I'm noticing like she has one little spot right now in the back. And if I'm like fixating on it, I'll have to just look at her and see her and say, this kid is so awesome. And this doesn't matter. Like It does, but like holy cow, like this is my person. I love her so much and we got this. So sometimes just really try to look past it. I mean, I know there were times when I'd be like so devastated and I'd just turn on like Celine Dion and pick up Addie and just dance around the house to just remember that like, we've only got so much time and I'm going to, I want to spend it. Yes. Focusing on how health, but also just enjoying her for everything she is. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and Addie's story. My pleasure. And I, I thank you all for joining us today. Join us next week for another episode on Healing Journeys. 